This is Breaking Barriers, a new podcast from Matchworks, Australia's leading non-profit employment and recruitment specialists. In this series, we'll be exploring remarkable stories about why work matters and how working is changing the lives of some incredible people. Think building diverse and inclusive workplaces for business and lasting employment for everybody. I'm Nat Jones. More on Matchworks later. First, we discover the power of role play and see how one man's epiphany is turning lives around. Hi, Paris. How's things? Very, very good. I bet, I bet. Look, before we start, I do have to ask, is Paris your real name? Paris is my real name, yes. Yeah, not made up for this conversation. I was not named after the city or um, any hotel heiresses, but I was actually named after the Trojan prince out of the Iliad. Okay, I don't know that story. Can you elaborate? Ah, Yeah, so have you heard of the Trojan horse? Yeah. Right, so um, so Paris was the Trojan prince that uh, essentially stole, I wouldn't say a lot, but he essentially stole the queen of the Greek king and took her back to Troy. And so uh, Helen being supposedly the most beautiful woman in the world at that time, she's uh, famous for having a face that launched a thousand ships. So the Greek king uh, gathered all of his forces, took him over to Troy, and eventually they couldn't couldn't break through the gates through sheer force, but eventually they used the Trojan horse as a um, as a false present, I guess, where they had troops inside. And yeah, so the Greeks destroyed Troy. Uh, Paris is also famous for being the the man that uh, took down Achilles by shooting an arrow into his into his heel. That's a really cool story. A <laughs> cool name. Oh, and for the record, it was Mum who was the history buff, turning her baby boy into the central antagonist of Homer's epic. And yes, he's had to explain it ever since. But it's something else Paris is renowned for, something that's turned the tables on how professionals support people struggling with mental health and autism. And it started in 2016 at Guff, a gaming store in Geelong, Victoria. Paris was with Matchworks' Empowering Youth program, designed to help young people develop the skills they need to get work. So at that time, um, I was actually working as uh, an individual support worker in the mental health space, and I was asked to come along and assist with a group of young people um, who had essentially isolated themselves from their community, families, friends, etc. And they're all struggling with various mental health challenges, whatever that might be, usually around anxiety and depression. Back then, Paris was working with disability service provider Karingle. The organisation's origins can be traced back to 1952, when a group of Geelong parents started a playgroup for their children with disabilities. They wanted to give them a fulfilling life, one where they could all realise their true potential. Rebranded as GenU in 2017, the organisation's mission remains the same, to empower people to reach their full potential. As for Paris Conti, he wasn't always in the field of mental health work. In his own words, he kind of fell into it. Originally the Xbox guy, he was part of the Microsoft team that launched the first Xbox consoles in Australia. Perk of the job, he got to play the hit military science fiction video game Halo 12 months before anyone else. 
A two-year stint as area manager for EB Games followed, then 11 years hard slog running his own business, a telecommunications company. But while work paid the bills, it didn't feed his soul. What he really got a kick out of was helping people, motivating staff to find their inner hero. As an area manager, I was responsible for, you know, budgets and KPIs and all that sort of stuff. But what I quickly discovered was that there was no point trying to tell a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old or whoever the responsibilities of a KPI. We had to sell more product or we had to do this. Instead of me trying to get individuals to sell more things, what I expressed to them was to get them to understand that they were the experts in this space. This isn't about you selling stuff. This is about you guys helping somebody else. This is about you finding out what someone, something someone wants and then through your knowledge, because you're the expert here, you'll find that solution for them. And that became incredibly empowering for them. And conversely, our sales numbers went went up and all our attachment rates, et cetera. And that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. I wanted to find environments where I could assist people, build on their strengths, build on their knowledge, what they already had, and help them create the lives that they want. Which brings us back to that gaming store called Guff in Geelong. Paris is a few months into his stint as an independent personal support worker with Karingle, and in front of him, a bunch of socially isolated young adults. Their common denominator? Gaming. Lunchtime in the food hall at the local shopping centre was an eye-opener, as participants chose consoles over communication. I really struggled in in the initial component uh, because while I could engage with each young person on an individual level very, very well, getting them to interact on a, on a, on a social level as a group was extraordinarily difficult and nigh on impossible at that time under the format that we had. At that time, gaming technology was was more of a barrier. Uh, they would The guys there would use their tablets, phones, consoles, etc., to sort of keep themselves at a distance from other people, which made it very, very difficult. Utterly frustrated... Paris felt like giving up. In a major turning point, he even doubted whether he was the right person for the job. His entire life had been around results orientation. Fix a problem, achieve a result, job done. But this was different. How could he get past the video game consoles to create meaningful social connections and lasting friendships in the group? As it turned out, the answer was just a shelf away. But thankfully, on, on one fateful day, Paul, the owner of the store, he was putting up a bunch of Dungeons & Dragons starter boxes on the shelves. And with no more thought than uh, this might be something to do, I asked the group whether they would be interested in, or had they ever played Dungeons & Dragons, and would they be interested in, in trying it or playing it. And that's when Paris got his so-called children of the corn moment. As if under a spell, the diehard gamers turned wide-eyed to stare down Paris of Troy. Something had clicked. And next thing I know, everyone had put down their consoles and phones and tablets and were all looking at me. I, I kind of laughed about it now. It felt like a bit like a, uh, a horror movie kind of thing. I had all these eyes looking at me with great intent. I, I felt like I was, um, I was ready for lunch. But what it turned out was a lot of these guys not only heard of the game, but they wanted to play it. But unfortunately, due to not being invited to play a game or just not having the confidence to ask, they'd never actually had a chance to play. What happened next was nothing short of a miracle. And what I saw was these guys picking up and learning social interaction in a way they never had a chance to before. 
So in, instead of the real world where a lot of these people feel disempowered or they have no authority or they can't make decisions that they want to because of whatever the reason, within this game world, they have complete control. And, and that changes the dynamic for the individual. Now they have the ability to do and explore what they need without fear of reprisal, without fear of consequence, and without fear of not having the resources or being told they can't do something. And when you take that pressure off an individual, the things that they can come up with on their own is truly amazing. Role-playing and testing new ideas in the safe sandbox of the game world to develop real-world confidence. Now that was something worth hanging around for. Instead of the guys not interacting with each other as much as possible, they would start to talk outside the game. They would want to discuss what they were going to do next session, uh, and then that would lead to discussions about who they were as real people. You know, what were they interested in? What did they like? What foods? Didn't matter what the conversation was. And it got to the point that when our sessions would end, the guys wouldn't want to leave. In the past, it would be time to go, and they would scatter like you turn the lights on and, and roaches scatter. You know what I mean? And that was that was the huge turning point for, for where things changed for me in terms of how I could assist people with their interpersonal growth. But while Paris may have won over a room full of excited wizards and elf princesses, he still had a battle on his hands, convincing Karingal, now Gen Yu, that the world of fantasy roleplay had inbuilt superpowers and should be a funded program in its own right. What couldn't be denied were astonishing outcomes, the transformation of young people witnessed by parents and mental health workers alike. As a result, Gen New Gamer was born, programs where a shared love of gaming and pop culture is celebrated in a safe and inclusive environment, regardless of disability, disadvantage or ageing. For the three years that we had that unofficial graduation, we've had not one person fail it. And what's more, the example that came out of that is really what Gamer is about in the, in the terms that one of the other things that we're very focused on is we don't want individuals to get their needs from the facilitator. The power of peer is a very big part of our model. And so what we want is individuals to reflect and get their understanding from people that they value the most or that the people they want to be valued by the most, which is people of a similar age, similar interests, et cetera. We are not playing games here at Gamer. We are using games as a tool to provide social environments to work on people's needs and wants. And so in many ways, we use gaming as an enticement to come out of that space, right? We provide a safe pop culture filled environment that they feel safe and comfortable included in. And slowly but surely, they get to work on the things that they want to work in a structured environment. If he needed further proof that he was on a winner, Paris got it in 2017. That was when he took his entire gaming troupe to PAX, the biggest gaming convention in the Southern Hemisphere, a cacophony of neon, noise and crowds, conditions that would create anxiety loops for many. Not one participant failed and all got to access PAX, including one young woman who grew stronger with each visit. One young lady who, she was terrified. When I mean terrified, she was shaking. So this first time she goes to PAX, she's sort of locked to a facilitator, which was fine. She still got around. She got to do what she wanted and she had a ball. But the next year when she went to do it and we said, all right, are you ready? We're, we're ready to take your inside. And then you. And she went off with a friend, which was fantastic. Off she goes and we saw her at the end. But the third year when she went, she took someone that was just as nervous and scared as her. She took them under her wing and she guided them around packs. So no facilitator was required. That's 
the power of what genuine gamer is and 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 it, you know I, I can sit here and tell you how dungeons and dragon works i can tell you um you know how we all our programs are based on a solid foundation they're all flexible though etc cetera, etc cetera. but ultimately if you know nothing more about gamer than that it's about individuals helping each other and and providing that that growth within themselves and then assisting other people to grow And then there's the story of a boy who, for four years, never left his room. Such was his insular world of gaming, compounded by his ASD, or Autism Spectrum Disorder, and being mercilessly bullied at school. He left school, he left high school early. He essentially barricaded himself in his bedroom with his computer and his dog for four years, barely associated with family, let alone anyone else. This is a teenager. And it was a slow progress for him. He was very closed and he didn't want to speak to other people, he didn't trust anybody. But slowly but surely, playing a variety of different games, role-playing was one of them, he slowly became more confident with other people. He never had – it wasn't that he didn't have any confidence in himself, he just he just didn't trust anybody. But he gained confidence with the with the people that he started, you know, interacting with, his peers. He dealt, d- developed some more coping skills and moved on and on. And next thing we know, because we hadn't actually had this as part of his, of his plan, but – he goes to the Gordon, which is a TAFE here in Geelong, and he finishes high school. He finishes his 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 qualifications. Yeah, I shed a lot of tears that night. That was such a huge step for him to return back into a classroom environment. That that was a huge win. That even made it in our local paper. We were that proud. <laughs> <laughs> what can you explain for me what the psychology was behind the secrets to success for this kid? So if I'm playing a video game there's a couple of things that are happening here. One, I have complete control over what's happening on the screen. I have instructions on what controls I can use, whether that's on a game controller or a keyboard or a mouse. I know that this game world only exists within certain parameters. Anything that happens within this game world will only happen within certain parameters. Plus the games themselves, all of them have some form of progression or success in them, which means that the, the more you play it, the better you get at it and you get accomplishment, which is a, something that a lot of people are seeking. That's part of being a human being. We want to achieve, we want to succeed at things. So there's that payoff there as well. It's also a defense mechanism. While I'm in this gaming, I don't have to deal with my pain. I don't have to deal with with what's my trauma or any of that, that kind of thing or my misunderstanding of the way people act around me and it doesn't make any sense. I can ignore all of that. Paris says even if players are losing, they're still winning. In their virtual space, if they don't like what they see or hear in front of them, they have the power to turn off the game. But it's not so simple in everyday life. Truth is, reality bites. Yet if I go into the outside world, there's no video game controller that I can access. There's no cheat codes. There's no guide. People are doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things around me. I don't know why they're smiling or why they why they appear angry or why they've responded to something I've said in a particular way. There's a lot of pain and hurt out here. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going back to my room. And that's where you'll find where a lot of this isolation and, and what I perceive as has been labelled as video addiction is coming from. It's not the fact that they're addicted to video gaming. It is that gaming has provided them a safe space that is controllable, um, doesn't provide the anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why they go there, because it's safe. Among GenuGamer's success stories is a young man named Solomon. Struggling with socialisation issues, roleplay has helped him develop a stronger understanding of how to read and comprehend human emotions. 
new skills he's used working as a volunteer at an aged care residence, and more recently in paid employment at a digital radio station. And then there's Jake. Hi, my name's Jake Anderson, and I'm a volunteer or working as helping out with people at Kmart <laughs> as a volunteer, so pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a bit about life for you before Gen U Gamer. I think I was just staying home because I um, didn't want to go out, but I like to go out with my cousin, but I'm just, just like to stay home, but it's pretty not fun staying at home all the time, but it's all right. <laughs> what was it that was hard for you about going out? I was struggling because um, at high school I was in year 12 and it wasn't good for year 12 for me because this high school was not good for me because I lost my self, uh, like self, like my confidence. So I just, just wanted to stay home because it felt safe. And now, what are some of the things that you like to do or feel comfortable doing now that you couldn't do before? Well, for me now, I'm um, catching the bus. So it felt nice catching the bus and seeing some people at Gamer. So that's good for myself now. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got more confidence. Yeah. That's really awesome. Jake's a bit like me. We're big men, but we're, we're cut teddy bears. Like we look a bit, we look a bit fierce on the outside, but on the inside, we're really just teddy bears. And so when I met young Jake, he, he was very reserved as well, very weary of, of what was going on, but he just has this heart of gold. This is really the only way that I can describe Jake. He somehow, he's one of these unique individuals that has the ability to look at his own challenges and, use that as a basis to assist others, not in the sense of that he understands what they're going through because he's gone through something, but just he, he asks, I've, I've seen him ask the question, hey, this worked for me, see if it'll work for you kind of thing. A triumphant turnaround and all in just 12 months, Jake has not only worked through his own debilitating mental health issues and autism spectrum disorder, but he's helping others at Gen U Gamer overcome their own anxieties. If it feels good feels really good because um, for someone doesn't know, like if they wanted to someone to talk to or if they want to play like a game, like play COD or Diablo or some other Mario games, I'm just like, hell yeah, I'll do that. And we can just play the game. And even we can talk a little bit. So that's pretty good. <laughs> and he's not phased when emotions run high. Like the time when one Gen U gamer was so distraught, he started throwing things around. Social workers stepped in, but it was Jake who was able to settle the situation, his own lived experiences coming to the fore. In that incident, I saw him being frustrated, like people were trying to calm him down, even with the workers trying to calm him down. But I see like he didn't want to hear someone to say to him, calm him down. But for me, I was like, he likes anime. Let's just talk about anime. And he was showing me what anime he likes. And so it was all good. And so Jake ends up sitting with this young man on the floor while this young man is just venting um, and he just sits patiently and calmly with him. With I'm not even sure I could do it and I, I feel I have a lot of patience, but just what he was presenting, what I saw was just amazing. And this young man ended up calming down in a fraction of the time that he would have done in the past. And he and Jake essentially spent the rest of the session together playing games, talking, and Jake expressing the things that helped him when he was getting deregulated when he was young. And he built this rapport with this young man that, yeah, just, just amazing. 
In fact, it was this incident that led Jake to making GenuGamer history, becoming the group's first volunteer. He now gives his time five days a week, a generous gesture that hasn't gone unnoticed. And I hear that in November 2020, you won the Volunteering Award at Geelong Awards for People with Disability for your compassion and unique way of supporting others. How did it make you feel to win that? For the first time, I never win awards, but this was an award for me. So I was just like, this didn't feel right. This is not my award. But when they said my name and said anything about me, I was like, holy God, oh my God. I'm winning this award. This is even my heart was beating. Even my face was a bit red because I was like, oh, oh my God, I won the award. (laughs) But it felt so great doing it. And there's more good news. Jake is in the running for some supported employment. And while he waits to hear what his role will be, he's just excited to be joining the ranks of the workforce. What does it mean to you to have the opportunity? How does it feel knowing that you've got some work on the way? I felt how like really ha- like really happy like, just getting that employment because I'm like for me I'm just trying to volunteer or do something else but I did really well with them two like like what was it 2019 or 2018 I did really well even 2020 I did really well so I understand I'm getting employment because I did really well with volunteering so I'm just excited. <laughs> And on the question of employing a neurodiverse person like Jake in the workforce, Paris says there are many benefits, among them being quick to learn and offering honest communication, as well as having exceptional attention to detail. If you, if you sort of look at it as a holistic thing, they have the ability to, to focus on, on details. They, they are very much detail-orientated and in places where detail is crucial to the task, you can't find a better person than someone with, with, with autism. It just the only way I can express it as a layman is, is their brains are geared towards this kind of work. And they it's not just because they're good at it, they get satisfaction out of it as well. I do know that in the programming world, the banking world, people with autism are highly sought after. So at least from the from the anecdotal evidence that I've been given um, from various people within the industry. If you're looking for someone with whose who's attention to detail and you give them the instructions in, in regard, or if you give them all the right tools in regards to what they need to do their job, just let them go. You, you can turn around and walk away because you'll know they'll get the job done. And as for Paris, well, there's no comparison between his old Xbox life and his newfound role as head dragon wrangler, aka growth quality coordinator at GenuGamer. For one thing, dragon wranglers don't wear suits. Emphasis these days is more on connecting with the young adults he works with. So my last question is is about you and your work and your mm. your job. I mean, I guess like on the surface level, you don't even have to wear a suit anymore, right? No, thank goodness. Um, I I made the mistake the other day, probably five months ago now, where I wore a suit to work because I was doing this presentation work. I better wear a suit. Um, I scared people. People thought I was a bouncer or that something was happening. So, no, I don't wear a suit. My, my claim to fame now or my shtick is that I wear uh, geek jerseys. So they're hockey jerseys, but they all have geek themes to them. So the one I'm wearing right now as I speak to you is of the Adam West Batmobile. I've got the big Batman symbol on the front. And I wear uh, comic book um, caps. That's my thing. And I did a presentation to our senior board the other day in exactly this getup. So 
I take great delight in walking around in boardrooms looking like I've just come out of youth space because that's what I do. Paris is now working with members of local and federal government in the hope of bringing Gen U Gamer to a wider audience, which leads us to a fitting finale. From aimlessly paying bills and not really thinking about his future to now having a retirement plan, Paris's big dream is to hit the road, throwing all his roleplay books in the back of the car and travelling around Australia to remote communities, sharing what he's learnt and providing games and fun to kids in Indigenous communities. It's all part of his master plan to use imagined worlds to help build better realities. You know, we, we do classify people by their ability challenges, etc. And I'm really looking forward to the time where once we've really identified the true strengths within people, that becomes a non-sec. We don't even think about that anymore. We just put people in the right places that they can blossom and shine in and bring benefit to everybody, including themselves. You've been listening to Breaking Barriers, a podcast production from Matchworks, Australia's trusted employment specialists. And with 140 sites across Australia, whether you're looking for a job or looking for staff, Matchworks, quite simply, brings people together. If you've found value in this episode, subscribe and share so we can keep telling these inspiring stories. And for more on Matchworks, log on to matchworks.com.au forward slash breaking dash barriers. I'm Nat Jones. Thanks so much for listening.